My name is Al Mirabella. And from the beginning of the show, I say howdy, strangers. Because the name of the show it is Hot Strangeness. And this is our show. And I'm doing the intro. Why am I singing? It's because we don't have a guest. Because we're doing something different this week. I'm looking at the Reddit slash our high strangers and talking some of the shit that I see. And I'm going to add my own color commentary. Is that it? All right, whatever. Show starts right now. The truth does not require your belief. The truth is real. All right, so this post is from Reddit user Hibiki SS. Uh, part of CIA document talking about the emotional states that are created during the brainwashing process. So this is from 1956. Let's see how, how relevant this is to today. It says, The following emotional states are created within the individual during the systematic course of the brainwashing. 1. A feeling of helplessness in attempting to deal with the impersonal machinery of control. 2. An initial reaction of surprise. Three, a feeling of uncertainty about what is required of him. I want to say that as, as of step three, this is just how I feel all the time. Number four, a developing feeling of dependence upon the interrogator. Number five, a sense of doubt and a loss of objectivity. Six, feelings of guilt. Seven, a questioning attitude towards own value, one's own value system. Eight, a feeling of potential breakdown, i.e. that he might go insane. 9. A need to defend his acquired principles. And 10. A final sense of belonging, and then in parentheses, identification. Um, this feels very real. This feels real. I think that um, the thing that maybe sticks out more to me than anything is that a lot of these sort of mirror the states that you feel when you're being gaslighted by somebody, especially in like an interpersonal relationship, which I guess that is also kind of a form of brainwashing. I think the thing that uh, maybe stands out to me the most here is uh, a number four being a developing feeling of dependence upon the interrogator. Um, I think that when you're questioning anything or anybody, which you should constantly be questioning everything, um, one of the big questions that I tend to ask myself, and I'm sure a lot of other people do too, are who is the person that I can trust in this situation? And I don't think that I'm not trying to say that in a way that makes me sound super conspiratorial or like I have some sort of trust issues. But I think that it is important to weigh your own trust and um, your own sense of privacy in a certain situation there have definitely been people that I've kind of been gaslighted in this way, people that I trusted that I probably shouldn't have. Um, and I think that I'm not trying to be a sad sack, but had I had I had the um, the forethought to ask myself 
why I was becoming dependent on this other person or why I was allowing myself to trust that other person. Um, I think I probably could have escaped those situations sooner rather than later. I was uh, watching a video the other day. It's talking about um, Sun Tzu and the art of war, which a lot of people know about. The idea, right, that you need to, like a, a, a an important principle of that is that you need to know your enemy. You need to know the other person and you need to know their actions. And if you don't know your enemy and you don't know the battle, like there's there's pretty much no way that you can win, right? Now, I'm not saying that everything is a battle. I don't really, I don't really view the world that way. But I do know that everything is a constant struggle between two polar ends of every possibility, right? And if you're going to succeed in whatever you're doing or trying to do, whether it be, you know, being brainwashed by the CIA or being in a difficult relationship or just trying to like get through to the to the next day, I think like understanding that there is something or someone on the other side and understanding as much as you can about that person um, or about that thing is a is a big is a big key. Because I mean, in a way, we're all we're all constantly being brainwashed by something. And I don't I don't even necessarily mean that in a negative way. I mean, you're adapting to a situation. The human brain is very adept at adaptation. And if you are adapting, if you're adapting well, you're probably not even noticing that you're you're adapting. And adapting can be, you know, that can be a small trauma. That that's just a thing that is your ego taking hold and relating to a situation and um, figuring out what it has to do in that situation to survive. If you're me, you know, like the constant check, this thing that I am, you know, if I go back here to number four, the developing feeling of dependence upon the interrogator, like the thing that I feel, I, I can often feel myself developing a feeling of dependence upon is my own ego. And knowing that and knowing that that is a thing that I'm constantly at odds with. I'm not at odds with. That's the wrong word for it. Just something I'm aware of. Because I think that, you know, in in a perfect world, we would all be nomadic and have no egos. But the fact of the matter is that we have higher consciousness and that we, we do have egos. You know, I think um, at one point, my instinct was to battle my ego, um, you know, once because I identified it as being something that was it was the bad parts of me. And to me, it was the bad parts of me. Um, and turning that around and like being at odds with it and being able to let go of my ego, which I think is the victory, if you can do that, um, you know, via, as Carl Jung called it, the psychic death, or, you know, the psychedelic ego death, if you will. Um, that's, Something that after it comes back, because it inevitably comes back, you can't live without an ego. Um, and a lot of the times it comes back stronger, I think, than, than it does or than it was beforehand. Um, but if you can begin to see your own dependence on it, that's when you can step away and say, I am not this thing. I am a different thing than the universe experiencing itself, and I can step back from that ego. So that was just a little bit of a tangent, but... 1956, I mean, that seems to be the peak of the CIA trying to, 
I don't want to say the CIA trying to control the entire country, though they are, and they always have been. But I mean, this was the peak of like, unchecked psychic warfare on the part of the government and probably the shadow government, though. I mean, I can't really speak to that. This is a great post. This was submitted 14 days ago, and it feels like incredibly relevant today. It feels relevant to the things that I see right now going on with Kowoo, you know? Um, I think that there is definitely a sense of doubt and loss of objectivity, and there are feelings of guilt, and the questioning attitude toward the value system. And the thing is, is that here, you know, you don't want to get yourself turned around and brainwashed by this thing. Like, I, so I was out hiking, and... I was hiking in a very low density, uh, low, like very, very few people hiking out in this area, um, place with like a lot of open space and you'd never had to come closer than within 10 feet of another person who's out there really. Um, and that's the very few people that I saw while I was out there. And there was a woman who was out there and she was walking her dog and she was wearing a mask and I wasn't cause it was 92 degrees and I was outside and maybe I should have been wearing my mask, but I was outside hiking alone and she stopped me she was like why aren't you wearing a mask i was like some outside hiking and it's 92 degrees i wasn't trying to argue with her i was trying to give her an answer and then she started like kind of yelling at me about why i needed to be wearing my mask in that moment and and i know that she had good intentions in her heart otherwise she wouldn't because she seems i mean she was somebody who cared about people which is why she did that but in that moment, I just couldn't help but ask myself, what, in what reality is this woman yelling at people on a nature trail to wear their mask? Like, yelling and getting mad at people. Who is that making wear a mask? Pretty much nobody. You know what it is? It is breaking down the humanity of the people that you meet, and it's breaking down your own humanity. That's why I choose not to yell. I think it's really important whenever you're looking at a uh, article online or even an image post, a text post on Reddit or something to acknowledge the source of the post. Um, acknowledge not not necessarily that I would say that any in, there's a website that would make me not click on a post, but I definitely there are a couple of websites that I I'm weary of the information that they are trying to present to me. Um, like for instance, like CNN and Fox news are websites that I don't trust for political news. Now I, I read CNN. I don't really read Fox news. I'll click a Fox news article that comes up in my feed, but I'm not clicking either one of those articles for political posts. Like if they want to talk to me about something that is a little more ethereal, such as the post that I'm about to read, I will definitely check it out. Um, I always ask myself, and I think it's really important, like all of these websites have their own bend, but what does the thing that they are saying, if taken at face value, what does that mean for that website? Like, what do they get for that? Because no website, no publication, no TV show is just publishing content to get out into the ether for no reason. There are motivations. And sometimes that motivation is they want more clicks, they want more ad revenue. They want more money. They want higher Nielsen ratings. And um, I think that's pretty dangerous. Like, I think that that incentivizes what we see as objective sources to be less than objective in their reporting 
Um, which is why I think that it's important to get your news from a broad set of sources in different mediums. And I say all that to say that on Reddit, there was this Fox News article posted, okay? This is uh, published on February 6th of this year. Chernobyl shocker as fungi that eats radiation found inside nuclear reactor. Okay, this is lovely. A type of black fungus that eats radiation was discovered inside the Chernobyl nuclear reactor. It says in 91, the strange fungus was found growing up the walls of the reactor, which baffled scientists due to the extreme radiation-heavy environment. A decade later, researchers tested some of the fungi, determined that it had a large amount of the pigment melanin, also found in, uh, of course, humans. Um, People with darker skin tones tend to have much more melanin, which is known to absorb light and dissipate ultraviolet radiation in skin. Cannot believe that foxnews.com didn't uh, even humor the idea that the the melanin inside of these funguses were causing them to commit a higher level of crime. That just seems like what I would hear from Fox News. However, in fungi, it reportedly absorbed radiation and converted it into a chemical energy for growth. A 2008 paper um, of the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York noted that the fungi attracted to radiation are unlikely to be the first example of their kind. Where else would they be? Where I mean, the sun has radiation. I'm trying to think of somewhere else, like maybe in the deep sea. Is there like radiation in, in those, you know, the worm tube vents? That seems like there might be radiation there. I don't know a lot about this. I'm just, you know. I'm shooting the shit with you guys right here on the other end of the microphone. Which, by the way, if you have anything you want to talk about, if you have anything to say about any of this stuff, shoot me an email at highstrangecast at gmail.com. We'll talk about whatever. Be a really good time. Be a little pen pals or whatever. And also, you know, you can hit me up on Twitter. Send me any kind of articles you want me to read, and I will totally check them out. Anyway, it says, Large quantities of highly melanized fungal spores have been found in early Cretaceous period deposits when many species of animals and plants died out. This period coincided with Earth crossing the magnetic zero, resulting in the loss of its shield against cosmic radiation. Magnetic zero would be a pretty good band name. If anyone wants to start a band called Magnetic Zero, hit me up, I'm in. It says the fungi indicate that there could be places in the cosmos, which we are unaware of, where organisms could live in radiation-filled environments. I think that's all pretty fine information to get from Fox News. Like, none of that was like, didn't seem like Fox had a lot on the, the line there. Um, so I'm going to take this information with a grain of salt. Once again, any large publication, I'm going to take their information with a grain of salt and smaller publications too. I'm just saying a corporation being notable, a publication being notable and having a lot of name recognition value does not make me, uh, does not, does not indicate that I think they're going to do good reporting, but I, the whole reason I wanted to read this Fox news article. Okay is because there are always excellent comments on the Fox News articles. I highly recommend going to foxnews.com, picking a highly controversial article, and then just going to the comment sections and just seeing what, like, first off, who signs up for the comment section on a news website? I used to work, uh, we've talked about this on air, I used to work for a television news channel and man, I would love to read the comments on some of the posts because like, I, I don't know, I have a lot of dissenting opinions, but I've never thought like, you know where the right place to vo- voice this is? The website for the publication. Anyway, 
Uh, Johnny WB said, I bet it still wouldn't eat my wife's cooking. Uh, am I right? Okay. And then someone, I could be your mother, is a star poster. In my house, I pray after I eat. All right, wasn't really much of a zinger. I don't know that I would give that person the star poster status. I got JD in Huntsville, Al. Um, I assume uh, JD is from Huntsville, Alabama. Could this fungi be used to consume and or neutralize our radioactive waste? A good reporter would have asked that. Um, you know, I, I'm interested in the answer to that question as well, JD in Huntsville, Al, but... I don't necessarily think that information is necessarily pertinent or would be something that whoever was writing this micro post could have found. So, um, oh my God. Okay. So hold on, hold on. There's a, 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 a response from making Libby's cry since 2006, since 2020, um, responded to that post and said, fat news doesn't have reporters. Um, Weird, a little bit of body shaming that doesn't seem entirely relevant, uh, but uh, this guy's making Libby's cry and still hates fat news, aka Fox News. He also said, no, it is not possible. It only consumes radiation being put off by radioactive material. It does not affect the radioactive material. A person with a grade 10 education could have deducted that from the three-paragraph article. Okay. I Making Libby's cry since 2016, since 2020... Feels like maybe you're kind of going through some stuff, um, getting aggressive in the Fox News comment section. Um, it says, okay, we have Boris the Animal says, it's amazing fungus could eat up something so horrible. Someone please get some of this growing in the Democratic headquarters. Zing! Zing! Got him, Boris the Animal. Got them. Fuck. This is why you come to these comment sections, because these people are unbearable. This totally reminds me of like my uncle's weird friend that shows up at a at a barbecue that uh, I end up getting in an argument with. Everybody in this comment section is one of those guys. All right, I think we covered enough of this. Let's uh, let's go into something else. I have another thing that's sort of uh, well, that is that is mycology related. Love mycology. I was talking that uh, talking about mycology with one of my friends the other day. Like it's a more recent interest of mine, but I think that funguses are fungi, sorry, are high, like very interesting. I think that, I mean, obviously I think magic mushrooms are interesting, but I don't think that that's the only interesting thing about funguses. And this next article kind of speaks to that same thing. Okay. This is from sierraclub.org. Um, this is a fantastic fungi makes much ado about mushrooms. Okay. I mean, talk about an article header there. Very good. Thank you to the Sierra Club, the National Magazine, Sierra, sorry, the National Magazine of the Sierra Club. Uh, this is by Wendy Bechtold. This is from April of this year. Um, this is about uh, Paul Stamets. If you guys have watched Star Trek Discovery, you might recognize Paul Stamets as being the name of one of the characters who is a mycologist, an astromycologist, which I determined after watching um Star Trek Discovery, that would just be the job that I had, even though it's not a real job right now. Maybe one day. But I would like to be in another world, in another lifetime, I will be an astromycologist. Anyway, he was named after Paul Stamets, an actual mycologist. Um, and this is uh, this is just some, some information from Paul Stamets. 
When he was young, Paul Stamets had a severe stutter that left him dreading social interactions. As a result, he spent a lot of time looking down at the ground. What he saw there piqued his curiosity and started it on... <clears throat> and started him on a journey that continues to this day. The documentary film Fantastic Fungi, The Magic Beneath Us, playing in select theaters and available to rent or buy via fantasticfungi.com, not a sponsor, chronicles Stamets' journey and the object of his fascination, mushrooms and their fungal networks. Stamets, now a world-renowned mycologist, calls mushrooms the grand molecular decomposers of nature, whose function is to regenerate forests and fields by breaking down organic matter. Thanks to time-lapse high-speed cinematography, viewers witnessed the process up close. If you've ever seen the uh, High Strangeness video promo, you'll also see some of that high-speed mushroom photography. Mushrooms sprout from leafy debris, rise out of fallen trees, and latch onto the bodies of dead rodents, then devour it. Schwartzberg perfected his technique by leaving a camera rolling 24-7 for the past four decades in his home studio. That is fucking dedication. This guy, 40 years ago, was like... I'm going to make this into a documentary one day. Um, I, <laughs> I'm going through a lot of film. Anyway, but Fantastic Fun- Fungi is as much about what happens beneath the surface, hidden from human view. A mushroom is the fruiting body of a fungus, most of which grows underground as a mycelium, a tangled mess of thread that absorbs nutrients from the environment and can stretch for hundreds of miles. Stamets believes the vast network of mycelia form a kind of consciousness, functioning something like a brain of a planet. His mission is to discover how the system communicates with the ecosystem around it and what exactly it's saying. So that was the main thing that I really kind of wanted to talk about. This goes a little bit further into it in this article. Um, but I, I was having this discussion when I was talking fungi the other day. Um, there's the idea that fungus and other... Uh, I would say that largely chemicals and atomic structures if the main goal of any chemical or or chemical structure is to um not necessarily procreate but to repopulate then there are a lot of chemicals that seem to have their own personalities that are better at um repopulating than others like if you were to say like you know, gold is probably a, a not a successful atomic structure in the sense that there is not a lot of gold. There's not really a way to make a lot of gold. All the gold that we have is pretty much the gold that we're going to have for the foreseeable future, at least for any of our lifetimes. Um, and I'm not speaking to mining gold. I'm saying that, that the gold that is there is just that is our finite supply of gold. And if you look at things that way, then... Like something like mycelial structures, something like a fungi, which some people claim have a personality, which I would kind of agree with. Um, You look at that and as they have these like complicated, tangled webs of communication and communication is consciousness, right? Um, They have some sort of primitive consciousness, even if it's not consciousness on the level that we understand. The idea that the mushrooms are very good at saying, like, you know what we need to do? We need to make more mushrooms. And that can be accomplished in any number of ways. Let's just look at something else. Let's look at something besides fungus for a second. Fungi. Um, 
apples don't are in no danger of going extinct. Now they are in danger of being homogenized into one exact kind of apple, probably in the long run. But because of a symbiotic relationship between people and apples, the apples are just going to keep happening. And in the same way, there's a symbiotic relationship between fungus, fungi, and all of the things that a fungus uses to reproduce, be it, like we said, a dead rat or a tree or some leaves, you know, anywhere that it can suck nutrition out of and get nutrition from. But some would say that that consciousness could be more complicated than that. And the idea that, for instance, to use as an example, psilocybin bearing mushrooms, like your golden teacher mushrooms, the most effective being at cultivating chemicals I use chemicals in a very broad sense, in the sense that everything is made up of chemicals, are people. Like, we have unlocked in our skill tree agriculture, and we um, have the intelligence level to travel extensively and take with us the things that we use. And we've, I mean, we see what's happened with, you know, like the, 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 uh, people from Europe who came to um, what is now the United States, the indigenous people's land. And there were a lot of things that we brought here that just flourished here that otherwise wouldn't be here. Like, for instance, wild horses. Y'all know there's a fuck ton of wild horses out there, right? And it's because, like, the Europeans brought horses to America and horses were just able to very quickly adapt to this environment, right? And we kept breeding them. And now there's tons of wild horses. And there's also tons of domesticated horses as well. Um, But that could be seen as a victory on the part of the horse that the horse now exists in a place that it didn't before it gives it more um, leverage in the future. um, When it comes to its ability to maintain its survival status and existence. With psilocybin mushrooms, the people who started taking psilocybin mushrooms, um, indigenous cultures, like thousands of years ago, the moment you be chomping down on some magic mushies and you start to get that weird thing in your head, you start to feel like you're a little bit of everything, that was like, that, that guaranteed that magic mushrooms were pretty much going to remain cultivated. It's not something that ever, in my opinion, probably has, there's no fear of the magic mushroom going extinct because it's just, there's too much on the line as far as people, people don't not want to have access to them. If something were to happen um, environmentally, that were would keep magic mushrooms from being able to be cultivated in nature, which God forbid, it would still happen in controlled labs because it's just something we got to know more about. And that, in that way, that is a victory on the part of the chemical psilocybin. That is a victory on the part of the fungi. I think that's really interesting. 
Now, obviously, this doesn't always work out. If you were to say, look at the chemical mescaline, you look at the peyote cactus, and like that, for instance, because it is a, a chemical and substance that people really want, is going extinct because the the San Pedro cactus takes a really long time to to flower and to to grow buttons of peyote that are you know you to to create enough mescaline that can be consumed but that more has to do with um <laughs> non native idiots who are uh going out randomly picking as many of these uh cactuses as they can so then they can i don't know like go to Bonnaroo or something which by the way if you're doing that fuck you okay that's not a good way to treat that particular plant like that's a as a highly important plant to uh to a lot of people and uh not one to be taken lightly just for for fun. Anyway, we're going to keep following that story. I think fungus I think that mushrooms are smarter than we know they are, and I think that they're smart in ways that we probably can't understand. And that's just one of my uh um uh tinfoil hat soapboxes and I'm not going to get down from it. All right, the last thing that I want to talk about today, uh, there's a thread on our high strangeness. Uh, what is the strangest thing you have ever seen or experienced? This is from Reddit user XVII-L. I feel like I maybe just triggered something there, Manchuria candidate style. Um, there's 500 comments on this. I haven't looked at any of this because I figured it would be fun to go in blind with the listener. You, you little out there listening dang old thing, dang old song. Dang a little, dang a little podcast we be doing right here. <sighs> okay, okay, I have to calm down. I have to calm down. I'm getting too excited about this. Okay, this is from Thunderbrunch. This is the top post with 348 points. I have two stories I can't explain, and remembering them makes me feel a little insane. I've wondered for years if maybe something could have caused my brain to temporarily malfunction. I've been there, Thunderbrunch. Anyway, the first story takes place in Antescadero, California in 0405. I was skateboarding home from a late shift at Hollywood Video. Nice, that's not a sentence you can say anymore. When I saw a bright orange ball in the sky. It was odd enough that I stopped pushing the board and stopped to look. The ball was just sitting there, stationary. I could easily tell it wasn't a plane of any type because I kept changing positions in case maybe it seemed like it wasn't moving due to it moving directly at me. But from every spot I moved, it stayed still. Then suddenly... A smaller orange ball shot down toward the ground and stopped. They both floated there for a few more moments and then vanished. I have absolutely no explanation. That's a, that's a little wild. For a second, I thought it might be the sun. Am I right? Bright orange ball in the sky? Fellas, you guys know what I'm talking about. The second story still kind of spooks me. It takes place in Fullerton, California, circa 06. My ex-wife had this sort of, my wife, had this sort of personality trait where she became obsessed with her fears, and these obsessions would basically change with the season. The fear for the time was spiders. One night, she had noticed a black widow under a bus stop near our apartment, and she wanted to catch it. So we went back and got a jar and returned to the bus stop. My ex knelt down to catch the spider. This doesn't seem like this woman's that scared of spiders. That's not a spider I would touch. That's a spider I'd leave the fuck alone. And she's the one that was bending down to catch the spider. I don't think this 
person knows what a fear is. Anyway, my ex knelt down to catch the spider, and she was being very slow and very careful since she was terrified of the thing. All of a sudden, there was a middle-aged Mexican man standing there, staring and smiling right at me. This caught me off guard since we basically lived in the middle of a bunch of empty parking lots. You could see in each direction for a while, so it was bizarre that one could sneak up to me. Out of pure awkwardness, I stumbled out, we're just trying to catch this spider. Then I nervously laughed and my ex-wife looked up to me and said, who are you talking to? I lifted my hand to the point to the man and explained, but the dude was gone, nowhere to be seen. As I mentioned before, it would have been damn near impossible to get out of view, especially without making some sort of noise, but I heard nothing. The guy was just gone and I remember exactly what he looked like to this day. Well, top response to that is from Curious Cut Gobbler that says, that's creepy as fuck, yo. And uh, I would agree with that. That's pretty wild. I've never had an experience like that. I've had experiences closer to the first experience, but I've never truly had any sort of honest-to-God paranormal situation like that happen to me. I'm totally open to the idea. I, I, I believe that things like that do happen. I just don't have a personal firsthand story about that yet. And that that always seems how it is, though, right? Like the person who wants to experience that thing never is the person experiencing that thing. Um, this is uh, from Farron0807 with 237 upvotes. One time my fiance and I woke up in the middle of the night at the same time oddly. We looked around and our room was filled with haze. It was super cloudy and we could barely see the door. We both jumped out of bed to turn on the lights and looked at each other like WTF, and all of a sudden it all vanished as if it was never there. Um, Someone responded, did any of you feel an unusual smell after this? They replied, pretty sure we were both kind of off, had a headache for a day or two, but no unusual smells. Did you feel cold witnessing the haze? Do you have any idea what it might be? Um, From steamed Rod Ledbetter, uh, 33 upvotes. I have a few hypotheses of which I am trying to eliminate this chemical physical one. Vapors of water or vapors of another substance at overcritical density. Barring this, it would have to be interpersonal psychological phenomenon of some sort or some shared hallucination of which the latter is quite unlikely lacking a clear causative agent. Yeah, I feel like um, I, I don't necessarily envy being in a situation like that because it probably causes a lot of uh, interpersonal turmoil, but to have experienced it with somebody else, um, probably would give me at least a little bit of comfort, but maybe it wouldn't at the same time, because I have had things happen to me that I was able to talk myself out of like, nah, you're, you're just being a little kooky, Al. Da- damn, you being kooky, Al, why are you being so kooky? Um, but if it happened to me with another person, I would just have to acknowledge that the world is kooky, which it is. Okay, this is from Chelio 3 with 199 upvotes. Some nights I do some star watching. Anyway, about five years ago, I saw a large black triangle fly overhead. Seemed to be low, maybe 2,000 feet or so. No sound, no lights. I was living in a small city at the time. That's a uh, that's a little wild. That probably seems like a UFO in the class. I mean, that is a UFO in the classic sense that you can't identify it, and it's flying, and it's probably an object. Um. In my hometown of Pensacola, Florida, which is right next to Gulf Breeze, Florida, which is the site of a lot of uh, UFO sightings, we would occasionally see things like this in the sky, but we were pretty close to a number of military bases where it was rumored that they would uh, fly a number of um, experimental aircrafts. And this is something that basically 
like a lot of my friends have a I saw some crazy thing that shouldn't be able to fly the way that it did sort of story. Um, Black Triangle, very much in the vein of the things that we we saw. Now, whether or not this was, you know, um, extraterrestrial life, which is probably unlikely, or if it was just some sort of interesting government project happening, it doesn't change the fact that it is a really wild uh, thing to, to see. Now, something that I think about at the time, and a lot of people that I have spoken with, um, I believe we maybe even talked about this on uh, the episode with Heidi Van Valkenburg, where we talked UFOs, is when you see something in the sky that is disrupting, and and you're like, I don't know that. I don't know that I should get my phone out. I don't know that I should record this. I don't know that I should try and bring anybody's attention to it. It's like you're, you're just so enraptured by the thing happening. Now that could just be the human psyche seeing something distressing, but. I've seen enough world star hip hop videos to know that a lot of the time you just do find something like you want to record. Like if something fucking crazy like that happens to me, I would tell tell myself right now that I want to record it. I want to document it like. But in those situations, you get in that situation and the thought doesn't even occur to you. And that that I think is more interesting than um, I find that more interesting than a disruptive flight pattern, like the idea that there is possible psychic technology that is keeping us from um, from wanting to record or from uh, enabling us to record. Uh, you know, we're talking crimes against our own thought, though not necessarily thought crimes. Kind of makes me think of and puts me in the mind of the chameleon circuit from Doctor Who, not to get too nerdy, but like the idea that something could be right in front of you and your brain could just be trained to not see it. Like that's pretty, pretty fucking crazy in my opinion. So, hey, Chelio 3, it's a wild story. Um, from old BBS, uh, big, beautiful Sasquatch is what I'm assuming that's for with 69 upvotes. Nice. Uh, camping near Virgin, Utah, also nice. Just south of Zion National Park in early October 2012. Around midnight in the second night, I was sitting by the fire with my friend when he pointed out a bright star in the sky. I looked, and as soon as I did, it shot south suddenly stopped, then shot back north and disappeared. We both just kind of looked at each other with a, you saw that expression, then never mentioned it again. <laughs> Damn, that's not my friends. We would be talking about that shit constantly. That would have been the entire rest of the trip. Anyway, six more nights camping after that, we didn't see it again. Um, this is from Manny Pancakes, uh, 37 upvotes as a response. Listen to the Joe Rogan podcast with an ex-Navy pilot forgot his name. He describes exactly what you saw. Basically, they have highly sophisticated heat sensor radar that can detect heat from miles away. They would see campers go into stealth mode until they were close to the campers, then kick on the afterburners. Um, 5JSJ with 19 episodes says that's episode 1361 with Commander David Fravor and Jeremy Corbel. And hey, listen, if you want to go listen to that episode of the Joe Rogan podcast, that's fine. But r slash high strangeness people... You should be talking about my podcast. I'm the one who has a podcast called High Strangeness. We're not on r slash the Joe Rogan experience. And yes, maybe the, this subreddit does not have anything to do with my podcast. And my podcast doesn't have anything to do with the subreddit. But we share a name, which is why we've got this episode going on right now. No affiliation here, guys. Anyway, let's do one more. 
Um, actually, I want to do two more because there's one that says Anarchy Anal Beads with 105 up foot says everybody gangsta until Jesus starts levitating. I don't know what that means, um, but it has 105 up foot, so I'll take it. Anyway, Yousef underscore with 59 up votes uh, says almost six years ago, one time I looked out my bedroom window looking at a hill that's filled with olive trees and it was a bit far, but you could still see enough to recognize a person between the trees. Anyways, that time I saw a humanoid figure that appeared all black and was hovering above the ground, and I think it was a little taller than the average human. I saw it hovering around a little back and forth for like a minute until it eventually disappeared behind the trees. That is definitely the strangest thing I ever saw, and I'm still confused by it to this day. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I like shit like that that like doesn't have any particular implication, does not say anything largely about any other conspiracy. Um... Something that does not seem to have any agenda, which you have to remember, everything has some kind of agenda, even if Yusuf's agenda is just to get 59 upvotes on r slash high strength. But I think that those like really out of the blue um, paranormal experiences that don't have any sort of context in the world of high strangeness are the ones that I tend to uh, gravitate to that I would maybe... Not to say that I believe or don't believe any of it, but those are the ones that I would give more credence to, because if you wanted to tell a story just to tell a story, you would probably use some elements of um, of other other people's experiences, at least to, to color yours, to put yours together, to give yours a little bit of credence. But the idea that this guy's just like, anyway, just hovering above the ground, he's a little taller than the average guy, like... I fuck with that. Like, that's the, like the little detail. That I'm like, yeah, I would notice that too. Be like, damn, what's that guy? Six, five over there. Just floating guys. Six, five, six, six. Here's what you want. You want the guy to float through like a fast food pizza places door where they have the little measurements right next to you so that you can tell how tall somebody is if they robbed the place, which is what that's for. Think about that the next time you see that. Then you know exactly how tall your paranormal phenomena are well this has been a fun little jaunt down r slash high strangeness right it's been fun it's been fun it's been fun um let me know if you guys like this this is not an all the time thing you know, uh, but this is an occasional like I just I'm just trying to switch the format up, trying to keep it engaging for people. And we have some really cool guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, some artists, some YouTubers, some other kinds of people, you know, um, my Nana. Just kidding. My Nana's dead. Uh, I never met my grandparents. They were both all four of them were dead before I was born. And I'm fucked up. Never got a Nana. That's why I'm like this. You guys No Nana's. Anyway, shout out to all the Nanas who are listening. I know that this is big in uh, nursing homes. This is like a very big nursing home podcast. Um, Mostly because I am able to predict death. This is something a lot of people know about me. Whenever a person is about to die, I can sense them listening to the podcast. And I know, oh my God, it's time. Someone's about to go. Listen, you've lived a good life. I don't want you to think about what you haven't done. I want you to think about what you have done. But more than that, 
I want you to think about what you will do after your reincarnation process is completed. Remember, you are the universe experiencing itself. So you live on in the hearts and lives and memories of the people who you leave behind. The most important thing that you can do is internalize your story, know your story, and know that that story is not over. Like, think about when the character dies on the, the final few pages of a book. The book doesn't end the moment the, the character takes his last breath. The story, the story lives on. And truly, the story lives on past the last page. It lives on into the next in this John Grisham series of novels. And uh, it it lives on in the eventual Netflix original series based on the 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 life that you know that is currently in the process of being extinguished. Once again, you're about to die. Don't freak out about it. Here's the most important thing to remember: there is a hell, and you're in it. But you're about to leave. Just hold on. We're going home. That's from Bobby Graham. He said that. That's Drake. In case you didn't know, fuck Drake. Anyway. Where's it going with any of this? Listen, if you like the show, rate us and review us on iTunes, okay? That's the most important thing that you can do. The numbers need to tick up. There's no one thing that helps a podcast exist more than somebody rating and reviewing it on iTunes. And if you use another podcatcher like I do, go on and rate it and review it on iTunes anyway. Like Spotify does not have a metric at which it uses to do this, and neither does any of the other podcatchers, at least not one that really matters. Um, the more ratings and reviews, the higher our rating, the more we get pushed up into people's feeds and they get to hear this weird bullshit and you will have more people to talk about this weird bullshit with. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you can find me, Al Mirabella, on Twitter at, at unfunny underscore period. Um, you can follow the show at, at High Strangecast on Twitter. Um, once again, if you like the pod, consider telling a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Oh shit, it's not called iTunes. I fucked up. It's called Apple Podcasts, but we all know it's really iTunes. Um, if you have a question, you want to email me some dumb shit, email highstrangecast at gmail.com. Our theme song, To Wake Up by Crystal Coast from the album three. And all of the other sound design, like the ending song, which is going to start right now. That is also all by Crystal Coast. Um, High Strangeness is an unfunny production. I basically did the entire outro segment backwards there, but you know what? This is kind of a mixed up week. We're kind of doing some mixed up stuff. This has basically been the highlight of my week, too. I, I love you guys all very much, and just remember, while you're out there, keep it froggy. That's not what I say at the end of the show. I say, stay safe and stay stranger. Stranger.